If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. I just felt like, wow, all that, all those questions and all those times that my stepmom would say, she looks nothing like you to my dad, my birth certificate father. Um, and all the times that people would call me the milk baby or all the times people would kind of joke on how pale I was and would, you know, and how they did really love my blue eyes, but it didn't match anyone else. They all had brown eyes and it really made me so insecure at the time. And it all came rushing back that day. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. When an NPE connects with newfound family and begins building positive relationships, many consider it to be a success story. Sometimes, though, Relationships take a turn, and rejection happens further into the relationship. In this week's episode, Kimberly shares how she uncovered her DNA surprise and connected with her biological father. She also shares her surprise when, 18 months into what she thought was a wonderful relationship, he abruptly changed his feelings toward her. She talks about how she's working through this change in her DNA surprise journey and which relationships she still holds dear. Thank you for sharing your story, Kimberly. My first name is Kimberly. I live in Orlando, Florida. I am originally from Virginia, and um, I'm 50 years old. I guess the best place to start is probably most important um, how I came to take the test. Um, Throughout my life, uh, I had suspicions that I didn't look like my birth certificate's father's family. My birth certificate father is full-blood Italian. 
his other two children from a different marriage other than my mom are also full Italian. I'm blonde hair, blue eyes, pale skinned. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how else to explain explain it, but I just did feel like I didn't fit in. Um, I know that I also overheard things um, as I was growing up that didn't really look like my birth certificate father and that they kind of joked around saying I was like the milkman's baby. My mm-hmm. mom had been married to him, to my birth certificate father, um, for just a couple of years when, um, before I, obviously before I was born and just after, um, because of my birth and his suspicions, I, I found out later is why um, they got divorced. They were only together for a few years. They were very young, 23 years old, 24 years old. And my birth certificate father was in the military. He was in the Navy. So I don't know a whole lot about the story as far as I didn't know much about the story, honestly, about my birth. I knew that my mom, what my mom had told me. I knew what my birth certificate father has told me. I find out later a lot of it that it just wasn't true. <laughs> there was a third party involved, obviously, that knew other parts of the story that neither of them shared with me. Are you the oldest then for both of your parents? You know, your birth certificate father at the time, did he believe you were his oldest or first? Okay, my mom only had me. Um, she okay. had any more children. She married, remarried um, men who had other children. And yes, I was the oldest for my birth certificate father. He had two more sons later on. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just curious because of how you mentioned that the the other children looked Italian. And so I wanted to just understand if that was somebody that you grew up with or... His second marriage after my mother um, was with a, a, a woman who was also Italian like himself. I grew up in a time household on the weekends. I spent with him, my birth certificate father, and my stepmom, who I loved dearly. We had a very close relationship, so I I was mostly, on, you know, on the on the weekends with them, and you know, I was exposed to you know a lot of traditions as far as the food and just like I just had this real ownership of being Italian, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so I identified that way because I just felt like that. You know, I was being raised in a household, at least on the weekends and on vacations and stuff that identified themselves as Italian. But when people would say things to me like, you don't look anything like them, it would really upset me. It would cause me a lot of insecurities. I also would overhear my stepmom and my birth certificate father arguing that I didn't look like him. He has darker skin, darker hair, darker eyes. He had black hair. I am fine out later that I'm full-blood British. (laughs) Um, mm. just knowing that I didn't look anything like him may give me a lot of insecurities about who I am. But I was told the story that my mom and my birthday father were married for a couple of years. Things just didn't work out. He stuck around for a little while after I was born, but they were arguing a lot, just not getting along. And he just moved on and got remarried. And my mom was a single mother for about six years. I was about six years old. She got married again then. But to bring it back to more of the present, um, my mom and I were very close. Uh, I was her only child. She had stepchildren, but we spoke every day. And this is where I get a little emotional because it's been three years since I've lost her. But um, she was my best friend. And I felt like she could tell me anything. Like, she was known to have kind of a big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't hold secrets. Like she was just very transparent and she was a silly grandma and just like fun to be around and so much 
energy and just like she was this vibrant force in our life that has been extremely missed. And because she was always this really outgoing, vibrant person, I always wondered why I was so different than anyone else I was around in my family. Even on my mother's side, I just didn't seem like I fit in. Like I seem, I felt different. I'm more quiet. I have a lot of social anxieties and that's why my voice gets shaky when I get upset. I like art. I was a photographer. Um, I, you know, have a lot of what I do consider gifts that just didn't quite fit in with my family and they thought I was just different. September 13th, 2019 is when my mom died suddenly of, um, in her sleep. Um, they assumed from a heart attack or heart failure. Mm. So, um, you know, I was in grief and, you know, you never get past it, but within that first year, it was really hard, you know, just, just remembering how much she was a part of my life and how close we were very, very close. She's close with my children, close with my husband. They, she was going to move in with us because her health wasn't that great. I'm still friends with my ex-husband. <laughs> okay. okay. I brought that up because it was during the time that we were both laid off uh, from our jobs because of COVID. And it was around Father's Day of the following year, June of 2020. Um, my ex-husband, he is actually the father of one of my children. Um, he was adopted. He had always wanted to know about his birth family. Um, he also, we also didn't know for sure the genetic, the background of my oldest daughter, his daughter as well, you know, the ethnicity because she, you know, he was raised as Puerto Rican. I'm British. And, um, we just wanted, we're curious, you know, about if there was other things that we weren't, we didn't, we weren't aware of. And we wanted her to be, you know, to have knowledge about her background. Mm -hmm. So it was like some kind of special they were having for Father's Day. What an awful thing to do. Yeah, right. It's Mother's Day, Father's Day, all those things we get deals. Yeah, it was a Father's Day special, June of 2020. I was like, you know what, um, I'll take the test with you. That way, our daughter will have everything listed for me and you. I mean, I know I'm Italian and English, you know, you being Puerto Rican, I'm sure there's a mixture of lots of stuff, European, African, American, you know, African, um, native, you know, and so she can have it all put together and know exactly what her ethnicity is, you know. And so, you know, we waited like a month and I got my test back first. And I was so excited because honestly, I also put in the part where it shows you like health history and stuff. And I was like thinking, wow, I can find out if I have like certain allergies, things like that. I was totally misconstrued on what exactly you're getting from this test. I didn't know anything about a family tree. I didn't, I wasn't even like thinking about my insecurities in my youth. Um, I had already convinced myself that my father, my birth certificate father was my father because my oldest daughter happens to look a lot like him. And now I realize mm. subconsciously, I didn't do it on a conscious level, but I realized through therapy that my ex-husband and my husband, who I have been married to for 22 years, they have the features of my birth certificate father. They're both Latino though. <laughs> but mm, they have some, Yeah, but there's similarities there for sure. The olive skin, the, the darker hair, the darker eyes, they're both like kind of short, like my birth certificate father. And there was so many um so many similarities in that way that I felt like on some level I wanted to fit in with my birth certificate father's family so much that I um sought out people who would help me fit in. <laughs> you know, my mm -hmm. love life. And maybe it was an attraction I had, you know, 
just naturally. I'm sure, you know, it was a subconscious thing that I wanted to feel a part of my family and look like my family. I didn't realize at the time that I was trying to identify with my birth certificate family in a way that I feel like my children wouldn't have the same insecurities that I had, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. So at this point, you had completely accepted that you were your mom's and your birth certificate father. That was your background. Even though you'd had those questions as a child, right? you had, you know, either overcome that or convinced yourself. I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say you convinced yourself, but you'd, you'd accepted it to be true. So you're taking this test just thinking, sure, we'll give our daughter a complete view. Right. And also my oldest daughter looks a lot like my birth certificate father. And many family members say that, even though I don't look anything like him. Um, I even to this day will hear him say to me, wow, I can't believe how much Lanasia looks like, you know, me. I'm like, yeah, you know, those mm. things kind of skip around with guilt. I say that I'll get to that point. So I get, I sit down and I get my results and um, I start looking at it and I saw that there's a tree. I didn't understand anything about the tree. I look on the tree. I see all this last name that come, came up. It came up like a lot. I saw my mom's side looked right. There was a few cousins and like an aunt or two. And then I looked on the father's side and I saw this last name everywhere. And I was just like, what is happening? I was completely blindsided. I was panicking in the moment and I felt like I wasn't even in my body anymore. <laughs> I was in a state of confusion. So I look back and kind of laugh at it now, but I called um, 23andMe and I said, I don't know what you did with the test, but my mother's side correct, but you got my father's side wrong. (laughs) And the guy guy Mm -hmm. who the phone was just like something about may God bless you or something. And I was like, what what are you trying to say to me? Like, I don't understand this. And then it finally hit me. I, I was just kind of shocked because I had buried all those insecurities so deep that I didn't really think about it anymore. It didn't really, it wasn't a part of like something that was in my present life. You know, I'm 50 years old or at the time I was 48 years old, two years ago. And I decided to go on Facebook and I know this is not the right way to handle this thing. And this is why I wanted to tell my story because I feel like in the moment, you don't know what to do. You don't have any support. Um, It's scary. And I just felt like I was still grieving my mom a lot. And I'm like, how could my mom hide such a significant story from me and not be here anymore to tell me her side? Mm. And those things come to your mind. Like, gosh, what if she was sexually taken advantage of? You know, like she was married at the time. Like, how did this happen? You know, I I have a copy of her marriage certificate because I have all her stuff because, you know, and when she passed, I, I took it all and I have it. I have proof of their marriage. I have proof of their divorce. So, and I know when I was born, I have proof of that too. So nothing made sense. So I went on Facebook and I looked for this last name and I found a bunch of pictures of people in my hometown. <laughs> I live in Orlando. Um, my hometown is Portsmouth, Virginia. I saw like a, a funeral picture there was elders in that picture, um, people in their 70s. And the person who had passed away was actually my uncle. I looked among all of the siblings. There's nine of them all together. There's about four or five men. I immediately was drawn to one man. I looked at his mm. face. 
and I saw my face. <laughs> it was like, wow. It was like a reflection because I have, my mom has blue eyes too, but there is something about the shape of my eyes and I see it in him that they just kind of like pierce your soul. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I was like, I connected to his eyes right in that minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? You know, like all the rest of them, all the other brothers, I looked at them and I was like, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's this one. I looked his name up and I found him on Facebook. I looked up when he got married. I felt that was important before I pursued it any further because I didn't want to cause any problems in anyone's marriage. Yeah. And then I saw his children listed and <laughs> I've never had sisters. So I saw four children. Well, they're grown now. Um, two brothers and two half sisters. And when I looked at one of the sisters, it, again, it was like a reflection of myself. Mm. And I looked through some of her quotes and things that she does. And it was like my twin. I was like, <laughs> this girl is like, looks like me, acts like me, have similar personality types. I could just tell that just from some of her pictures and the things she said on Facebook. So I reached out to the sisters. I reached out to the, the birth father. The first thing I said to him was, do you know this woman? Um, it was a picture of my mom. He said, yes, I do know her. Um, we talked a little bit in high school. We kind of dated in 1971. And that's the year I was conceived. And wow. he said, but I haven't seen her since then. I said, well, were you... Um, involved with her in 1971 and he said yes and then I didn't want to go any further because in the meantime my half-sister was reaching out to me and she didn't believe my story because she knew her father's character or at least she thought she knew her father's character <laughs> I mean but he wasn't he wasn't married at the time was he no he wasn't married but what I will explain about his character is he's extremely introverted um extremely religious the family him, his wife, the four siblings, they were raised, um, the children were raised on a farmhouse. They weren't allowed to leave the house much. They didn't have any TV. They were homeschooled. They were extremely sheltered. They were um, treated very badly, to be honest with you. I don't know how else to explain it other than using the word abuse, mostly from the mother. I, I am actually considered myself very free-spirited, but I also have been raised Christian. I kind of drift between Buddhism and Christianity loosely. I was raised in the Baptist church, but I only attended here and there. They attended school. Uh, I mean, they attended church two or three days a week, and they all had to dress alike. It was a very unusual childhood for my siblings. Um, my childhood was unusual too, but an extremely opposite kind of environment but when I spoke to my sister my half-sister for the first time she was really excited but also in disbelief that um, I could possibly be her father's daughter because she never knew of him being involved with anyone else other than her mother but he had not met her mother until he was 30 they, you know they got married they had children and all that stuff but they had never asked him you know about his anything within his previous life before he got married as far as other women. He had never spoken of other women. He's, like I said, very shy. My siblings have told me that he has some intellectual disabilities. So his personality is very disconnected. And at this point, I would call it kind of cold. 
But when I was speaking to my half sister at the time, she was excited, but also apprehensive that she didn't believe me. She did think mm. that we looked a lot alike. Um, I showed her a copy of my DNA and it had still not narrowed down to exactly him. It was between him and his brothers, but we were also discussing um, how could the other brothers possibly not be my biological father. Um, one was way too young. One had lived in California at the time. You know, it, it narrowed down too because he had, in the meantime, on the same day, he had told me he had dated my mom. She just was still confused because she had only been, she had only known that he had been with her mother. So the day after I got my results and I would already speak, been speaking to my birth father, I'd already been speaking to my half sister. I even actually spoke to a couple of cousins. I was just reaching out saying, do you know this woman? Have you ever heard of this woman? You know, showing pictures of my mother. And when he responded that he had dated her, I and I had already suspected he was my father because I looked just like him. I was then trying to talk to my half-sister about it. And she was apprehensive. And she spoke to him the next day. I'm not sure if it was in person or if it was over the phone. But when she approached him, his first response was, which is still confusing to me, you got me. <laughs> Don't understand that response. But mm -hmm. it was... <laughs> This whole thing turns into like, it just, the whole story kind of can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around because he changes the story several times. So he said, um, yes, I had relations with that woman. So I guess that is my daughter. We've been speaking almost every day for several weeks. He was really excited. He told me he had looked through my Facebook. He, they became my friends on my Facebook. They said they looked through my Facebook and I'm a very transparent person. I put a lot of things on there that I find inspiring, positive, and try to be a good, I'm, a, I'm an excellent mother, to be honest with you. <laughs> I adore That's, my yeah. children. <laughs> and so I really try to be a positive role model to my children and to my clients, you know, because I'm a massage therapist, esthetician, to the community. So I think that he really grasps that pretty early on looking at my Facebook um, saying he's, he said I was beautiful, I thought that was really sweet, that I was um, intelligent, all these wonderful things that a daughter would love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> he was very kind, very gentle. We started FaceTiming each other, and the conversations were, you know, interesting, but I could tell that he had a little hard time connecting on an emotional level. level. Um, he liked to talk about his interests, so I would kind of change the conversation to something he would be interested in talking about my daughters all three spoke to him i also was concerned about his mental health i mean he, at the time he was 73 but i was wondering if maybe he was having some short-term memory issues because he kept forgetting some things that were short-term mm. but he remembered very very clearly he was very transparent and remembered a lot about his relations with my mom he said they went dancing, which really matched up with my mom's stories about how she used to go to the Ambassadors Club and have fun and go dancing. And he said that they had known each other from high school. And my mom was always at my aunt's house. And he would go over there and kind of hang out. And they started talking. Um, and then they started going dancing together. He said he knew she was engaged. He did not know he, she was married. And I do believe that. He said he knew that she'd been taught, you know, been engaged to my birth certificate father, but my birth certificate father was out to sea um, for six months. So during that six months, 
I think it may have been a shorter period of time they were together. He told me they enjoyed each other's company for a little bit of time, but he didn't feel like it was going in the direction that he wanted it to. So he broke it off with her and kind of told the whole story that they were at uh, the dance club. He asked for his high school ring back. He had had it. Um, he said that he just didn't find that this was, you know, a situation. He didn't want to be in a love triangle is what he said to me. And I don't know exactly why my mom was cheating on my birth certificate father other than they argued a lot. And I hate to honestly say this, but my birth certificate father was physically abusive. Mm. Um, I witnessed that myself with my stepmom and she told me stories about it. So she had also come from my grandparents who were also physically abusive. Um, my mom had a lot of healing to get through, but she never really addressed everything she needed to get through. She was attracted to very toxic men and I was exposed to those men throughout my childhood. The fact that she cheated on my birth certificate father doesn't surprise me, Okay, but she never said anything about it. How did you feel, you know, hearing your origin story and, you know, how you came to be? You said you didn't really have any judgment of your mom, right? For for cheating on your birth certificate father. Did you believe everything that your biological father said? Did you trust that what he was saying was the truth? I was trusting everything he was saying um, in that time period, you know, back in 2020, because I'll tell you that things changed. Everything he was saying was saying, he was saying from his own words, from his own memory, like, and things were matching up with things. I had spoken to my mom's best friend at the time. She knew they had been talking to each other. He, my birth certificate father knew his name. He knew his first name. He mm-hmm. said, the reason why mom and I didn't work out is because I felt like there was another man and I knew his name. He told me his name and everything seemed to match up and it made a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know why my mom never told me his name. I don't know why my mom lied to me and lied to all of us. I wondered, you know, if she was like in a state of, I mean, he said he drank a lot back then, my my birth father, before he became a really religious person. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe she didn't re- recall a lot of the um, interactions with him. But he said it went on for a couple months of them going dancing and enjoying each other's company. I think what was going on in my mom's head was she was trying to get out of an abusive relationship. Back then, 1971, she only had a 10th grade education. She didn't graduate high school. My mom also, and the reason why I'm quoting this is because of, you know, the comparison between his wife and my mother. My mother wasn't your your typical standardized beauty. Um, she was known to be a little on the wild side. She was overweight, um, which back then was such a big issue. She was a hippie, <laughs> to just put it honestly. She liked to smoke weed. <laughs> She smoked weed till the day she died. <laughs> so she did it for pain later on. And I, I'm fine with that because I know she had a lot of arthritic pain. But my mom um, wasn't someone who you would find to be him to be attracted to. Because my birth father is a very attractive man. Tall, handsome, really nice features. If I swear, if she looked through a magazine and tried to find someone to, you know, be the father of me, it would be him. (laughs) Besides his, he does have some intellectual things going on from what I'm told now, but he's extremely intelligent. Um, He's very well-spoken 
And there's so many good attributes he has that I was really impressed by. I was honestly kind of smitten by knowing him because I'm like, he was a photographer too. And all these things I, I felt I could relate to. And my mom being so free spirited and there was another side of me that wasn't anything like her or like my birth certificate father. I didn't know where these attributes came from. So it was a good relationship for about a year and a half. His wife uh, was having a lot of health problems. She had hurt her knee and she had been bedridden for a while. She also was on some pain medication and she had some digestive things going on. She was not doing well at all. Um, so he and I continued to speak on the phone when, when she was in bed. Uh, we FaceTime and stuff like that because he had to tend to her most of the time during the day. And he's a night owl just like me. <laughs> I was really connecting with him on those levels as far as like getting to know who he is, getting to know um, him, getting to know my children. He even spoke to my husband a couple of times and everything was going really well. He, he They included me in a family Facebook messaging kind of thing. I was becoming closer to my sisters and I spoke to, I speak to one of the brothers once in a while. The other brother is incarcerated. So everything was going pretty well for about a year and a half. I went and visited them um, with my children, my two of my children, my twins. And I got to see one of my sisters. I got to see my birth father and my half-brother that isn't incarcerated. We enjoyed some pizza together. We sat down. Um, I went to their farmhouse in Virginia. It's a very beautiful home. They obviously put a lot of their love into it. It's a Victorian home. My birth father let, met my mother in a trailer park before he you know, went on to bigger things. But it definitely was a privileged lifestyle that they had as far as stability. Um, my mom, unfortunately, put me through a lot with her boyfriends and husbands and moving living situations. I guess you would say we were poor. I was on, we were on welfare. We had food stamps and it was a very, real struggle except for my First certificate father tried to step in as much as he could with helping. My mom just didn't like to work very much. So after we spent a day together and I finally got to hug him and see him for the first time, I held his arm and like looked at him and was like, I feel so a part of this family. I look at the people around me and they all look like me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was kind of a comforting feeling. It was odd because I never been her. I mean, they all have natural blonde hair and blue eyes and light skin, and I have kind of you know, like his his hair color was like light brown, but almost blonde. Like, and mine's platinum blonde. And I was like, wow, these people look like me. It's just the strangest thing to just sit around people you never knew that look like you. Yeah, yeah. Were they welcoming to you in that environment? In that time, yeah, they were. They were welcoming to my children. He was, the wife was in the hospital at the time. He was talking in front of his children about his relationship with my mom. I felt so secure in hearing him like kind of saying, this is what happened. And yes, she is my daughter. And oh, by the way, he did take a DNA test too, um, a 23andMe test. So you got that confirmation. So what changed? What happened? His wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I mentioned throughout this time, I had the opportunity and I am grateful for that, um, that I had a year and a half to get to know him on that level, to get to know my siblings on that level. Like, again, I felt a part of the family. In the meantime, the wife was kind of taking a backseat because she wasn't feeling well. But as soon as she started feeling better, um, I think personally, my perception is that 
she was insecure with the entire situation. She's extremely religious because to her defense, she had she turned to God in a very extreme manner because she had a very bad childhood. Very, very terrible. She wrote books on her childhood. I read the books. They were horrifying. I cried my eyes out. I was very sweet and kind to her. I sent her gifts. Um, I sent him gifts. I offered help to have someone clean the house. My husband and I are financially stable. You know, they're they're elderly. He's on Social Security or whatever. And um, even though they have a really big house, I'm sure that's paid off. And so they seem like they probably needed, like, not, I wouldn't say financial help or anything like that, but their kids to kind of be supportive because they're, they're elderly and they're getting older. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be there for them. You know, little things like, oh, I'll pay for someone to go fix the sink or I'll pay for something because I know people back home and I have friends in construction and stuff like that that can go, you know, move the refrigerator because you're, you know, it's hard for you to do at your age. So that's the kind of relationship we had. And then all of a sudden I was going to visit last Christmas time. I was bringing gifts with me and I also was bringing a pie that I made for him. I was at my aunt's house. And I had flown, I flew there, got a rental car, went to my aunt's house and um, on my mother's side and made him a pie. And I was on my way to see, well, I went to see one of the siblings, the sister, the half sister, had a great lunch together. I was on my way to see one of the brother, um, one of the brothers. And then I was going to see them go to their house. Um, she had been saying she wasn't feeling that great. So I said, I would just come by real quick. I'll swing by and bring the pie and I'll be on my way. Like, I won't even come inside the house if you don't want me to. Like, I get it. You know, even though I flew here and they told me, they literally told me it was fine for me to come. They said that they changed, they kind of changed their mind, mm -hmm. um, that they didn't want me to um, come inside. And at first I was like, okay, you know, it's fine. I'll just swing by and bring the pie. And so that was that. I was with my sister and um, her, her mother had called. And um, she, she didn't answer it, and thankfully she didn't. But then when I got to the other sister's house, um, she said that her mom had called her too. And um, she was saying some really awful things about my mother. Mm. She was saying um, that my mother, <laughs> my mother took sexual advantage of him, and he was half asleep. And my birth father was not interested in having sex with her. Um, she forced herself on him. Mind you, my mother was this little four foot ten person. He's like six foot four or something like that. She made up this story about my mother taking sexual advantage of him. And that's the only reason I was born. And I was born in shame. And that I am the curse of their family. And that um, she pretty much made it clear she didn't want me to have anything to do with him anymore. Wow. So no real indication, like, why this sudden turn? Well, I started panicking, and I said, can I speak to him? And, she, well, she she put him on the phone, and I said, why are you saying these things about my mom? I was just, I just flew here to see you, and you said it was okay, I came by, but then I understand she's not feeling well, but I don't know why you are talking about my mom. Like, if you don't want me to come by, that's fine, but let's not talk about my mom. And he said, what she's saying is true. Um, your mother took a sexual advantage of me. You're, he said, I didn't, I didn't mean for this to happen. You were a mistake. And um, my wife cannot deal with the fact that, you know, what happened between me and your mother. 
And so I think it's best that we don't speak to each other. Wow. Yeah. How, how did you feel when you heard that? Oh my gosh. I started panicking. I, he also was saying things like, um, you were asking me for the truth. I'm finally telling you the truth. I'm like, what are you saying to me? I'm like, wasn't asking you for anything. Like, this is something we spoke about a year and a half ago. Like I was in a state of shock, like confusion and not knowing what happened. I find out later that she's kind of the queen of uh, gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Um, they were making up things as they went because I started questioning what he was saying. I was like, you told me you guys, you were dating my mom for a while. He's like, I didn't know she was married. I'm like, I believe you. You didn't know she was married. I'm like, you know, God will forgive you. I mean, I know you're, you know, you're really into your religion and, and I'm Christian too. And I'm like, God will forgive you for being with a married woman. You didn't know. I'm like, but to say these things about my mom, uh, the wife was in the background yelling all these Bible quotes. It was something out of a movie. Like I was shocked. Oh my um, gosh. It was like, she was, I heard that she's got mental issues, but I don't want to assume she was having some kind of breakdown, I guess. <laughs> and I guess it was just a very vulnerable time for them. And they were taking it out on me. I was in a shock, state of shock when he was saying these things to me. And I just started having panic attacks. And I couldn't stop having panic attacks. I was on my way home because they lived out in the country. And my, my aunt lived more towards the city. I went to the bedroom and just, I could not stop shaking like I'm shaking right now. I couldn't um, think right. I called my husband and I was like, I need the next flight out. Like I need to come home. I can't even function. My brain wasn't working. I was completely dysfunctional (laughs) mentally. Oh my God. I'm so sorry that happened. I mean, how, how jarring after a year and a half of building a relationship to have it just reverse. It was just terrible because this whole time, I have I know I left out the parts of my birth certificate father, but I have felt like over the past two and a half years, I've been kind of dragging him along with the fact that I never told him the truth. Now, I am extremely grateful I didn't tell him the truth because he adores his grandchildren. He adores me. I mean, he, I call him and he's just like, he's so happy to hear my voice and he's so engaging and asking about my children, his grandchildren and, you know, he always says sweet things on Facebook to me and I'm like, you know, this is my dad because this other guy, I don't know why he was talking such bad things about my mom. But in the past, since last December, I sent him an email and I called twice and I said, I would be happy to read it, you know, discuss with you again, possibility of having some type of relationship with boundaries, healthy boundaries. I said, I realized you know, my presence has caused your wife a lot of stress. You know, I don't think I handled it properly. However, I don't think any of us did, but I would like to have a conversation so that we can come up with a better conclusion other than just pretending I don't exist. He blocked me on Facebook. I didn't even know he knew how to do that. I think I taught him how to do that at one point Mm. and he did not. So whenever I like comment on my half sister's pictures or my brother's, um, or any of the things they put on social media, she will comment like on the same thread, like all these motherly sweet things. Yes, they're very kind and motherly, but I know some deeper stories and I know their history. And um, I don't, I think sometimes she intentionally does it because she sees me there. Like I've commented something nice. So I'm just like, you know, I exist. Like this is immature and 
not emotionally um, healthy for anybody. Yeah. So you still have a relationship with your siblings, just not yes. your your father, your biological father. Right. Or his wife. And and what do they make of this situation? I told them when, when they were talking bad about my mom, it was more of them verbally assaulting me. And I think I handled it as well as I could besides, you know, I was obviously very emotional. Um, I did say things like, you know, you can't take away my siblings. They're girl, adults. So whatever you're saying right now is not going to matter to them. Like, I felt like he was, I felt like he was trying to take away what I was, my gifts. I mean, my siblings, at least my sisters, I always dreamed of having sisters. And I see them as gifts from my mom, to be honest. Mm. I see them as my mom didn't want to leave me. So she gave me my sisters. And so when he was saying these things to me, I always felt like I was being shamed and, and like thrown away, discarded. And that's exactly what they did to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. My sisters didn't agree with their behavior. My sisters defended me. Um, one of the sisters has decided at this point, because it's been 10 months, to kind of, she kind of doesn't speak much to anybody, to be honest. She's backed off a relationship with me. She's backed off a relationship with her own parents. And that's sad because they're getting older. It shouldn't be that, that way. You know, I'm sure she has other reasons. And I don't even, not sure even that has anything to do with me because they both have told me things about their childhood. Again, as I said before, they were, the mother especially was very abusive physically, verbally, um, educationally. She was supposed to be homeschooling them, but wasn't really doing so. And as much as I showed respect to her, kindness to her, I don't think there was anything I could have done better to avoid that happening. I think she just didn't want to share her husband with me. She didn't want to share her children with me. She didn't want me to even exist to this day. She curses the thought of me being exist in existence because it makes her feel insecure. I don't judge, you know, I don't judge her. What he did, I do judge, but he's being punished for his behavior. And that's why I don't have a relationship with him because he did some things that I just can't find acceptable in my in my world. Where I'm at now is I still have a relationship with my half-sister who was an addict, but she's doing very well and recovering. And that's about it. <laughs> I think the mother tried so hard to have this perfect family and things have fallen apart that she feels that because I have done pretty decent in life, um, I have a successful marriage of 24 years, I have great kids that are in college, I have um, a nice home. Um, I live a comfortable lifestyle. Um, I think she's jealous that my mom, who was beneath her, has a child that was, I guess you would consider successful at life. And she has two that have had extremely bad challenges. Knowing what you know about the family, I think one of the things we hear from NPEs is, you know, I wonder what my life would have been like if I'd known and that kind of thing. And you have a unique perspective because you're so close with your mom. It sounds like you had some challenges growing up, but you were really close with her. And then, you know, at first you kind of saw this idyllic new family and then learned more about them. Have you had any thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, they, um, from what I was told, they took family pictures like every six months. Um, and they all matched. They were like the, I don't know if you remember the beavers or something, but yeah, back in yeah. the day, they tried to 
portray this image of perfection. Um, my siblings have told me that she laid all their clothes out till they were 16, 17 years old, um, even the fathers. Um, she laid all their clothes out perfectly matchy. They were they weren't allowed to show like any skin. I'm much more loose when it comes to that. <laughs> like uh, I don't shame people for their body. <laughs> um, I I give you know well my daughters are 21 now but you know they wear what they want and I don't uh, judge people based on what they're wearing. I don't judge people off of body types, things like that, or their religious background or their ethnicity or any of that i don't have i'm not that kind of person but she's the exact opposite of me and it's it's really influenced my birth father a lot mm -hmm. so yeah uh, i am glad i did not i was not raised in their household yeah <laughs> i know that she, the my sisters had to maintain a certain weight mm -hmm. i've always been a little bit on the chubbier side i think she would have abused me terribly to be honest with you and he was the kind of person that maybe he wasn't exactly abusing them, but he just didn't do anything. He he was he didn't help them. He didn't stand up for the kids. He didn't have any part in trying to see that what she was doing was wrong. Like he just idolizes everything that she says, everything she does, and all her decisions. Being that he's intellectually challenged, from what I'm told, I don't know how much of that is true. I could see how he just she just she's a puppet master. Yeah. I spoke to him for the first time a week ago. Okay, I sent the two emails, no response. I called and no response. I left a message, but I knew that he was going to be away from her this past week, um, 10 months after we spoke last. And my sister, I've been upset. She's going through a lot of therapy because of her addiction. And part of her therapy is to speak to people about what, you know, to communicate things that are bothering her. So, the way they treat me has bothered her a lot and she has addressed it with her parents and um, her mother has come back at her with, you don't need another sister. This girl is not your sister. You need to just like, you know, leave her alone. Um, very yeah. manipulative as far as trying to convince her I'm a bad person. <laughs> I don't even know what I've done. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. um, she tried to address it with her parents. It didn't get anywhere. So she's like, you know, that the art she calls him our dad. I don't call him our dad any longer. She's like, our dad is going to be with his siblings this week um, at a family reunion, and she's not going. I'm going to be kind of like watching over her while he's gone. It's a perfect time for you to try to speak to him one more time. And I honestly had given up at this point because I felt like I did three strikes. I sent two emails and I made a phone call. I'm like, I'm not going to beg someone to, to be a part of my life and. I just honestly did it for her because I know it was bothering her a lot and she's going through her 12 steps. So I called his phone number and I did, couldn't even say hello at first. And then I felt so stupid because I hung up. So then I called back and I said, hello, how are you? And he was, hello. Like he knew who I was immediately, but he was very like, why are you calling me kind of attitude, like very disconnected, very cold didn't seem interested in speaking to me at all. I said, I just wanted to um, get in touch with you because it had been talking to me about possibly trying to reconnect and get past what happened last year. And I was just seeing where you stand with all of it. And he was, well, we don't want any trouble. <laughs> hmm. I almost laughed because <laughs> I was like, are you serious? How am I trouble? Like, what did I do? In fact, I tried so hard in my childhood 
to be like the example of a good daughter, what is it about me that's so much trouble? Like, how could you say that to me? Like, I just couldn't understand. And so when he said, we don't want any trouble, I said, okay, I get that. You don't want any trouble. So um, I, I won't be calling back. And he said, that's fine. Wow. So that's the last time you spoke to him. Yeah. How do you feel with that at this point? Maybe I've been blessed with his um, characteristic of disconnecting. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I deserve better. Uh, I have a good father who loves me. He loves my kids. And um, he never deserved me. His disconnect with me is, like I said, the siblings were saying, it's part of his emotional disability or maybe has autism i don't think any of that makes sense to me and i think it's all excuses because he knows how to be loving to his other kids he knows how to be loving to his wife and he knew how to be loving with me um, for the first year and a half i just don't want anything to do with the man mm. i just don't want anything to do with him and my half sister i had to have a conversation with her because she does she's going through her steps and she keeps bringing them up and I just told her, I'm like, I want to, we're like best friends. I want to continue this, but I need you to like lay off on talking about them so much. Because she was like, oh, I'm so concerned. You know, my parents are getting older and I'm concerned about their health. And gosh, what if their health starts going down? Like, am I supposed to like be emotionally attached to that thought? Of course, and on some level, I, I am. I'm not a bad person. I have empathy. I have compassion. But he decided to tell me a couple times to get lost. So if he ends up in the hospital or he's not doing well, you know, how is that even something I should even like connect to? Yeah. You mentioned that your birth certificate father suspected and that that was actually the reason for your, your parents' divorce when you were young. Just right. Does he, because of your daughter looking so much like him, has he accepted that you are his daughter or does he still suspect? I don't know. I think he is in denial. I think um, him, my daughter has a lot to do with it. The fact that she looks so much like him. And, um, and you're he, not he, going to tell him? Do you have plans to tell him? No, I don't see the, how it would benefit anyone because he just had major heart surgery and I'm his only daughter, and he always calls me his favorite. <laughs> he probably, probably tells my brothers that too, but I actually told his girlfriend. She told me not to tell him, and I don't see how that would be, you know, helpful for anybody. It's gonna, it would be hurtful for me again after all of this, and it'll be traumatic for him. And I don't want him to feel what I feel. I, I carry that burden for him because I would rather tell the world, and that's one reason why I wanted to do this. Because I don't feel ashamed of what, what has happened and I don't want to hide and a lie anymore. But I stay, you know, semi kind of hidden from the truth because I don't want him to know. And he's probably him and my brothers who I was raised up with are the only people that don't know. Okay. And thankfully I have a few people who, you know, have contact with them once in a blue moon that know and haven't told him. And that could be a possibility that they will open up, but I don't think they want to hurt him. They love him. So why would they want to hurt him? You know, do you think that your mom knew? I don't think she knew for sure, but she went on with a silly woman and I miss that lady so much, but she would look at me and go, she had a country accent. My 
I lived in Florida most of my adult life, so I don't really have much of an accent anymore. But she'll look at me and say, girl, you sure have lightened up since you got an odor. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about your mom now? I mean, I know you miss her and I'm so sorry for your loss and grieving her. How would you say that you feel about her now? Grateful. Grateful that even though my childhood, I wouldn't say it was the safest environment for me sometimes. And it wasn't a consistent, you know, good environment for a child. It taught me everything I didn't want to expose my children to. And I knew the entire time how much she loved me. She she expressed her love to me um, like daily. She was so loving person. And even though she made bad choices, my mom was bipolar. She made a lot of bad choices. And she was always a victim. I'm glad I didn't have her two cents in this story because I, it would have confused me even more because I'm not sure if she would have told the truth. But I am grateful that she didn't try to find this man and I wasn't exposed to this mm. horror of a story. Yeah. Do you still feel very connected then to your Italian side? Because you have this ethnic shift, you know, through your discovery. Are you, do you still kind of, you know, feel Italian, so to speak? Well, no. <laughs> um, it, it's had its process too, because I know you went through that. I know Italian and British are all European, but there's certain traditions we had, you know, like Christmas Eve, we always had homemade, you know, spaghetti, things like that. And I don't know a lot about the British background. I know for my kid's birthday this year, I wanted to do something that was British inspired. <laughs> and being that they're Latinos, they're Latinas. And my, my family is very spicy. <laughs> we love our food. We're very, very much foodies. We, you know, we like Italian food and Latino food and all the different flavors. Um, they weren't very excited about the British food because it's not, you know, it doesn't have a lot of spices and, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem very fun to be honest. I hate to say that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only fun that I could find out of it was, uh, uh, I threw them a tea party for their birthday this year um, with little crumpets and stuff like that that seemed like um, something that would be British. It was a cute little setup. And I said, so to celebrate like your British ethnicity, we are having tea parties. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> so they're like, oh, that's cute, mom. Okay. Where's the salad? It's a Oh, that's funny. They're not too excited about that. But uh, I, as far as feeling Italian, no, I don't feel Italian anymore. I never looked Italian anyway. Yeah. And so I just kind of, um, that's just something I've kind of let go. Mm. It's okay, you know. What advice do you have for a parent who might be keeping a DNA surprise from their child? Oh, um, you need to tell them. <laughs> Please tell them. That is one regret that will be with me every single day for the rest of my life. That my mom didn't have the courage to talk to me about it. She put me on a pedestal and she felt maybe I would look down on her and she didn't want to compromise our relationship. So I think she just kept it to herself and never even said his name. I think that that is the reason why she didn't say anything to me. But the fact that I'll never get the one thing I wish I could have in life again is 30 minutes with my mom. I would chop off my arm for 30 minutes with my mom. I mean, I would, 
I would give away, you know, I'd come up with $100,000 somehow to, to talk for 30 minutes with my mom. Just 30 minutes. That's all I need. I just want to ask her, why didn't you talk to me? Because you could have talked to me. Mm. And, but I guess I had to figure this out on my own. And while you're still on earth, uh, the short time that we're all here, if there's something you need to say, you need to say it. Because that person will have to deal with it until the day they die that you didn't say it. And so, yeah, please tell them. And what advice do you have for someone who just discovered that they're an NPE? Breathe. Mm. <laughs> Breathe and take your time. Um, I don't think I handled this the way I should have. Be careful. Guard your heart. Things can switch. They can flip. You can be, they can be very excited. I think in the beginning, people are very excited and it's, you know, something that doesn't happen publicly, you know, a lot of people. So they find it something that's interesting to learn about you, to understand who you are. But once they get you and they understand you and they know who you are, are you still going to be a part of that family? Are they still going to accept you? Because, you know, there's chances that might not happen. And I didn't do anything that I felt was wrong, but I felt like if I only took my time and guarded my heart, then this wouldn't have been as terrible as it was. Mm. I'm sorry that this was the outcome that you had. Um, it's thank you. I, I don't think I've spoken to anyone that, you know, built a relationship for that long and then had that outcome that is just wild and unfair. But Kimberly, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I'm glad that you've been able to build a relationship with your siblings and that you have a great relationship with your birth certificate father that you can continue to have. And I just wish you the best. Thank you so much. Your family is the people who loves you and accept you as you are. Thanks again to Kimberly for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. Until next time.